0: The Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, and I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work, and I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen? I said amen. And that is precisely what you will experience this evening in the name of Jesus Christ. Like I say all the time, whatever you are joining us from, what you need to be able to receive the impact of everything we are doing this evening is to do what? Pay attention. Thank you. So do what? pay attention. Just focus on this for the next um, uh, two hours thereabout while we teach the Word of God. And I can assure you the Spirit of God will enter into your heart in the name of Jesus Christ. All right, the Lord is good. All right, let's open our Bibles uh, to the book of Luke chapter 7. I want to read um, something that the Lord Jesus said when John the Baptist sent a message to him asking him what was going on? From the book of Luke chapter 7, we are going to start from verse um, uh, verse 18. Now, of course, all kinds of things have been happening. People were getting healed. Um, and the reports were getting to John the Baptist. So let's read from verse 18. And the disciples of John reported to him about all these things. And summoning two of his disciples, John sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the expected one, or do we look for someone else? And when the men had come to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the expected one, or do we look for someone else? At that very time, he cured many people of diseases and afflictions and evil spirits, and he granted sight to many who were blind. And he answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them. And he said, And blessed is he who keeps from stumbling over me. I have read this because of that Um Last portion of what he said concerning the manifestations that was occurring or that were occurring around his ministry. He said the blind receive sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Okay, before I comment on that, let's just read one other portion of the scriptures, and I will will, um, comment on this. The book of um, Deuteronomy, chapter eight. Deuteronomy chapter 8, quickly, it's a portion we know very well. There are so many of them we are going to read, but let's just take these ones as our main text to begin our a new series today. We've concluded the one we're talking about, what salvation is. And it was somewhere inside that I said I would come on to talking about this. Now, where do I start from verse 8? There are so many things uh, that's from that chapter 8. There are so many verses um, to read, but I want verse 18 precisely. But I'd like to take in context. Let's just start from verse 11. Because my Bible has a break there. It said, Beware lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his ordinances and his statutes which I am commanding you today. Lest when you have eaten and are satisfied and have built good houses and lived in them. And when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold multiply and all that you have multiplies. It was saying, Beware, verse 14. he said, Then your heart becomes proud And you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the great and terrible wilderness with his fairy serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water. He brought water for you out of the rock of Flint. In the wilderness he fed you manna which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you to do you good in the end. Notice that doing you good in the end. He did all of these for certain reasons. He said, Because if he didn't do that, otherwise you may say in your heart, My power and the strength of my hand made me this wealth. Remember, he started by saying, You will have experienced wealth. He said in verse eleven, he said uh, verse twelve, You will have eaten, you will be satisfied, you will have built good houses and lived in them your flocks, your herd will have multiplied, and your silver and gold will also multiply. And all that you have will multiply. He said in verses 12 and 13. Now the danger of that, he said, is pride. So he now said, because you will have experienced that if you are not careful, in your heart you will say, my power and the strength of my might made me this wealth. He said, but this is what you should be careful to remember. Verse 18. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you the power to make wealth. He was telling them this ahead. So he said, he is giving you the power to make wealth. And why is he doing it? That he may confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And it shall come about, let us finish reading that portion. It shall come about that if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship uh, worship them. I testify against you today that you shall surely perish like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you. So you shall perish because you will not listen to the voice of the Lord your God. Now this was the word of God to Israel through his servant Moses. Now I was going to pass a comment on the book of Luke chapter seven, the portion that we read. I wanted to say something. You see, the Bible makes it clear that there are three components to our being. There's a spirit, there is a soul, And there is a body. All of them are important. They are components of us. And God has provisions to take care of each one of them. In fact, there's a work I'm working on right now to let Christians understand that if you want to stay alive and well, not just to be alive and well, you have to take care of the three components. And you have to take care of them in that order. The most important one to take care of is the spirit, then followed by the soul, and then the body. Just as an aside, what the world does is to spend most of the energy on the body. They will tell you about diet, about exercise, and your genes. That's what they talk about. Diet, exercise, and your genes. All of them things concerning the body. Occasionally, they move a little bit into the realm of the soul, all right. but they never, ever get into the realm of the spirit. A few people try, but what they do is to spend years in meditation, and looking at the edge, never getting into it. It's only in Christ Jesus you really can get into that spiritual, um, angle. So Christians must be careful to take care of their spirit, first of all, their souls, next, and then the body, last. It must follow that order because what occurs in the realm of the spirit will affect the rest. It will affect the rest. They control the, that, that the occurrence in the spirit controls the other things. But if you focus so much on the, on the physical, You will neglect the more important ones. And no matter how much you focus on the physical, you will still perish. Do you get my point? The body cannot sustain itself. The Bible says just like this body without the spirit is dead. So if you focus so much on the body, it cannot sustain itself. It is the spirit that will sustain that body. But, you understand, you need to also help and cooperate to make sure the body is healthy. But that is the least place where you place your emphasis. Bear that in mind. Now, so, my emphasis, however, in line with our teaching for today, is that God has made a provision for every aspect. He has made a provision for every aspect. But we must also remember that the provisions also must follow that order in importance. Spiritual provision is the most important and the bodily one is least important. But He has made provisions for all of them. Now, why am I talking about this? You see, here, the Lord, um, the Lord was speaking. He sent a message to John. He told them to tell John the things that he was doing in his ministry, the, like I said, what we're talking about today, why I've not told you what is because I've I've not fixed a title. <laughs> you understand? I know what I want to talk about, but I've been trying to frame the title for a while, and I have not um, um, been able to... Okay, let's just talk about... Let's debate on the title we could use. All right, We can talk about um, power, uh, working in the... I don't want to use the word grace to prosper because I have written a book on grace to prosper, and I have um, taught a series somewhere on grace to prosper. So I'm looking for another way. You seem to just coin it another way, prosper in grace. All right, <laughs> what do you think about that, <laughs> and we will find a title for it at the end of the day. All right, let's just continue. When I finish, I will meditate well, and then I will find a title for it. But you get the gist. That's where we are. The direction in which we are going. We want to talk about the fact that Jesus has broken the power of poverty, material poverty in the lives of the people of God, I want to discuss what they are supposed to do to be able to enjoy what he has already prepared in that dimension. Now, why did I read this portion, that Luke chapter 7? I want to emphasize to us that I am convinced. That's where I was going to start from. I'm convinced that the poor have the gospel preached to them that Jesus was talking about here. He was talking about materially poor. That's what I wanted to say. He was talking about those who do not have money, who do not have resources, who are materially lacking. He brought a solution for them. Because if you see everything he's put in there, there were things they could see. He said, Go and tell John what you have seen, you understand? And heard. And he focused on the blind, material things they could see, physical things they could see. At the end of the day, said the poor have the gospel preached to them. Because of that, I am convinced that there. He was talking about material prosperity. He was talking about the fact that he was going to lift poor people out of poverty. The other thing I want to bring out from there is that he did not say he gave them money. What did he say he did? What did he do? What did he, do? he preached. He preached the gospel to them. Now, what I take away from there is I was emphasizing the fact that that one takes a process. It takes a process. It takes a process, and that process is the consistent way which it's going to do that. And many times people tell you, they think that they give one offering, and tomorrow is that offering will break the back of poverty. Have you heard that thing before? You give this offering, and then you break the back of poverty. Let me just tell you ahead of time. There's nothing like that. What did I say? The back of poverty was broken on the cross of Christ. It's not because of the material offering you are going to give. Anytime I talk like this, I always like to add the second side to it. Giving is good. You know, I always try to do that so that people will get, will get the balance. Because I've seen pastors get worried when they hear me say this other side. <laughs> Giving is good. What did I say? Yes. It's important. Christians must, we must all learn to give as believers. But it doesn't break the back of poverty. You cannot give one offering and your life will suddenly change. Do you follow my point? All right? And I know what you're thinking. What about the widow of Zarefat? And I, you know what I always say? How did Elijah get to her door? That's the first question you ask yourself. The widow of Zarephath was in her house. Elijah traveled a great distance to get to her door. That is the first question you ask yourself. That would tell you something had been going on between that woman and God. Something had been going on between that woman and the realm of the spirit. And that was why Jesus said to no other widow was Elijah sent. He was sent. And I always add this one to it also. Think about it for a moment. Do you think any widow will just get up and come and give the last meal to Elijah and get that same miracle? The clear answer is no. Why? Elijah was not sent to the other widows. He wasn't sent to the other widows. So they should not expect that same thing. People sometimes will tell you that if you do what this person did, you will get what the other person got. Then go and take a... a a man to and strike the water. Whether well, the God of Elijah will open it for you? Your name is not Elijah. The God of Elijah is not planning to open that Jordan for you. Do you understand? Because the anointing rested upon Elisha. If that anointing is not resting upon you, don't you don't just go and if you like go and steal the one that belonged to Elijah, where In the, from the wardrobe of Elijah, take it. Hey guys, if we do what Elijah, Elijah did, we will see what he saw, which is how we preach it. If we do what he did, we see what he saw. So go and sneak the mantle of Elijah and run to Jordan and carry all your friends and family and extended relatives, you understand, (laughs) and strike it to cross. The river will not answer you simply because you are not Elisha. And the mantle, the anointing upon Elijah is not currently resting upon your head. You don't just copy Acts. Do you follow? You don't just copy Acts. There's always a spirit behind each act that people would do. There's always a spirit. It is a spirit you should copy. It is a spirit of faith that is what you copy. Spirit of faith will bring forth different actions under different circumstances. There are different widows that God supplied for in the Bible. Elijah went to one particular widow and said, give me your last meal. And the woman surrendered the last meal and we know what happened after. But Elisha didn't do that. Elisha said, what do you have in your house? And what did the woman say? He said, I have, um, is it a jar of oil or something? He said, okay, go out, go and borrow. Let's use our technology today Nigeria. Go and borrow cans, and borrow plenty. King James said, borrow not a few, borrow plenty. And then lock the door. Then start pouring from the one you have into the ones you have borrowed. And the oil kept on flowing, multiplying. It kept on flowing until the woman said, give me another jerrycan. They said, that's the last one. Then the oil... Stopped. I had a testimony, of one, a testimony of one man, a minister of the gospel. He said there was a time he bought a bag of rice. And the bag of rice refused to finish. And they ate rice and ate rice and ate rice. And that time they were having a lot of visitors who come to their, to their home. And they kept on eating. I said one day, the wife said, ah, which kind of abami bag of rice is this? He knows abami. Go on, it's, it's a very spiritual terminology. Go and check it out. Anyway, she said, Which kind of bag of rice is this? That day it finished. The day she said, This bag of rice, will it never finish? That day it ceased. It's the same man who I told you. I was listening to him teach. So he said he traveled to go and visit his uh, family, his own parents. He was a young married man. And as soon as he got there, the mother was very happy to see him. He had his wife and I think a little baby. So the, 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 of course they came to spend this short holiday with his folks, and the mother was said, "Ah, I'm happy you have come because we don't have water, so we're using your car to go and fetch water." The man said, "Ah, you know the amount of water that my presence in this house will require because of the little child." So he said, he told the mother straight, "Water will flow today, pipe born water, it will flow today." And the woman laughed. The mother laughed. Say, so listen, this is the part of this city we live in. In fact, if the water corporation wakes up and starts supplying water today, this is the last place they will remember. The man said, just, just to the mother, don't worry. Water will flow today. After everybody went to sleep, he began to pray. He began to pray. He prayed and prayed until the, the tap began to whistle. You know when water is rushing down, starts blowing air, you hear the whistling. Then... A few drops of water came out from the tap and seized. So he pursued the water until the come by. He was inside the house. He went out to the open and continued the prayer as if to drag the water back. After a while, the tap began to flow, and it was flowing steady. Then he woke everybody up, come and fetch water. And they began, and they fetch, you know this kind of water you fetch everywhere? Fetch in the spoon, fetch everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> remember when we are young, those days, <laughs> you know, have a bath in a bathtub for water now. We'll block the bathtub and fill it with water. That's what we used to do with our children. Block the bathtub and fill it with water. It was a reservoir. And because water will flow maybe like twice a, a week. Things like that. So they said they filled everywhere with water, including, well, all these are, these days we use um, uh, plastic tanks. Those that they used to use aluminium tanks. So they had an aluminium tank in the house. They filled, filled it up. He used to have this cover, so he told them to check it. They looked. It was full. He said, all right, I'm going to stay here for some time. When I'm going, check it again. So they locked it, and they were using water normally. The day he was about to leave, his wife was in the car, his baby was in the car. He said, oh, one last thing. Open the reservoir and check. They opened the reservoir, it was still full. He had been there for nothing less than five days. They, op- they opened the reservoir again, and it was still full. And he left. And I think he finished shortly after that. Listen. Things like that happen. Amen. Amen. Let me just pray for you. They will happen in your life. Amen. They will happen. You will see it too. You will see it. Please let me. Can I beg you for something? I want to start, start sharing testimonies with me. Stop me and tell me a story. Eh? The, the word works. Amen. Amen. The word works. God works wonders. He does things that will make people open their mouths and wonder. Al W. Schambach defined wonder. He said, what's a wonder? He said, whatever makes people wonder. That's a wonder. God does You start wondering what happened. God does it. Amen. God supplies material things supernaturally. See, one of the things, I'm convinced of this, alright? That the great, God's greatest need. You know God has a need. Yeah. He has. His need is not money. His need is not even worship, per se. People say, worship is the a, is a, is a food of God. I understand what you are trying to say, alright? But the fact is that God doesn't get hungry. He said, if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. But I get the point. What we are trying to say is that God wants us to praise him and worship him all right but you know the need he really has what he has need of is for people yes what kind of people people that trust him totally that is the one he's looking out for every day i know the bible says concerning concerning such people it says god is looking for them the eye of the lord runs to and fro The whole earth. Why? Because he's looking for those whose hearts are perfect or completely his or perfect towards him. Use King James that he might show himself strong on their behalf. I like that King James expression. I know when the prophet said that, let's quickly read it. Second Chronicles chapter 16. Now, and God said that, listen to me when there was a material need. Of course, it was war. But what I want to say is that he said it when somebody should be afraid. Somebody should have been afraid. Asa was the person who was going to battle. Of course, what happened was that Asa had the problem. Bashar, king of Israel, came up against Judah, the Bible says, and fortified Ramah in order to prevent anyone from going out and coming in to Asa, king of Judah. Now, what did Asa, Asa do? He went to look for help. He went to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, and he took silver and gold from the treasuries of the house of the Lord and sent to him so that he might help him. I won't spend time talking, telling you about that story. Can you read that portion of chapter 16? And the method that he used worked. At the end of the day, verse 7 At that time, Anani the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Aram, and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Aram has escaped out of your hand. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubim an immense army, with many chariots and horsemen? They were an immense army. Yet, because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord move to and fro throughout the earth. What is he looking for? That he might... Pardon me to read King James here. He said that he might show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are perfect towards him. Let me read the American Standard. He said that he may strongly support those whose heart is completely his. That's all I wanted. God is looking for the opportunity to show that he has power. He's looking for that opportunity. Till today he works miracles. Till today he supplies supernaturally. What he's just asking for is that will your heart be his completely. That's what he's asking for. That is the need he has. People who truly trust him. What Satan and the world tries to do is to take our attention away from trusting God. What Satan and the world tries to do is to have us focus on economic analysis. Somebody is making a decision. He says, for the future of my children. And you ask the fellow, where is faith in this matter? The God who helped you. Out of poverty, he raised you. Your parents were average or poor. He raised you. Today, you have so much money, you can get up and buy tickets for a family of six and travel to any part of the world. Then suddenly, your eyes, you know when you were in school, you prayed for God to help you. When you left school, you prayed to get a job. You prayed to start a business. Then God has broken through upon you, but you've forgotten that you prayed. And sometimes we do forget. One of the greatest disciplines in Christianity is to be able to remember. Forgetting is so natural, God had to give a commandment concerning remembering. You hear what I said? Forgetting is so natural. He had to give a commandment that people should remember. He said thou shall what? Remember. Anytime God gives a command, the opposite is natural. If if it says thou shall not steal, watch out, stealing will be normal. When it says thou shalt remember, it means that forgetting is in natural order of things. I hope you're getting my point here. So people tend to forget. So, okay, how do I now take care of my children? First thing I do is to forget the God that raised me up. I will remember that, or I will start thinking that He can retire. That, you know, the other day, was it on Tuesday? We explained that chance is not God. Chance is not God. Because people start thinking that the reason why I prosper today is because of chance. So I'm not sure that chance will occur to my, with my children. So I start me- taking steps to ensure that their future is secure. And then looking into the steps, they are taking no faith in it. No faith in it. And let me remind you of something. What did Asa do that was wrong? He took things that belonged to God. Do you get my point? He took things that belonged to God and used it to look for help. One of the ones that make me, you know, that just alarm me sometimes. When I see the, you know, you know, some women are very funny. I will say these things. There's no point in talking behind. Let's say it in front. Everybody will hear it. You know, some women are very funny. If a woman comes to greet their husband three times, they are jealous. And my husband, it's not as if I'm suspecting you. I'm just wondering what is going on. If they get to their, to their husband's office. And they see a fine circuitry there. Hey, they will start whining and complaining. every time he comes from home. They are sniffing his shirt. I don't recognize this perfume. And the man is wondering, what are you talking about? I meet all kinds of people every day. I don't know where this lovefinder fell on me. You know what they call loffinder? When we were young, we used to call perfume loffinder. <laughs> and they are so, you know, they are, they are jealous and edgy and suspicious. Then one day somebody will say, no, for the future of your children, the same woman will carry her children and leave the man in Nigeria and go abroad. And six months will not see him. I say, you, you can see your head is not working. When you were living in the same house, you were full of jealousy. Now you have donated him to anything. When I say, I, I'm just praying for you. you could not pray when you were living in the same house. Secret, so. Oh. No, think about, no, no, no. You people are looking at me like I'm a strange man. No, you are the one that is strange. You cannot understand what I'm saying. I am not saying that you must never leave your husband alone. But I'm saying, what happened to all the jealousy? Suddenly you are no longer jealous. Why? Because living abroad is the will of God. I can sacrifice a few affairs for my husband. I don't mind. But when we are all in the heat together, I was so jealous, suspicious. Anywhere he goes, I'm checking He's not home by 8 o'clock, I'm calling him. I'm using Google to track his movement. What am I talking about? How you know you have left trusting in God is when you take things that were sacred to you and you offer them somewhere else. You stop trusting God. Things that you held sacred, suddenly they don't matter to you anymore. That is when you know that you have stopped trusting God. When you were poor those days, and you are building your business, you wouldn't give anybody kickbacks. Any business that looks like you have to give kickbacks, you don't double in it, into it. And God raised you from dealing in 5,000 to dealing in 5 million. And you are giving testimonies. Then now to move you from 5 million to 500 million, people let you know that, listen, this is the order of the day. You have to give it. Listen, I'm not discussing whether kickback is good or bad now. Are you getting my point? But, of course, it's bad, all right? I'm just trying to, but that's not my focus. My focus is that if things that were sacred to you before, suddenly they are not sacred anymore, you are no longer trusting in God. There's what is called, I invented the terminology, right? But it's based on scripture. I call it the priestly corner of life. There are things you do not for the physical value, but for the sacramental effect they have in your life. It may be unique to you, but if you are going to sacrifice it for promotion, you have stopped believing in God. You are trusting other gods. Please, I hope what I'm saying is clear to you. What did Asa Asa do that was wrong? Asa took things that were sacred, things that belonged to God, and he gave them to look for human help. Listen. Anytime you want to be promoted in life, there will be a challenge. The challenge is a test of your faith. Listen to what I want to say. It's very important Christians get this. Interpreting testimonies is a spiritual... How do I say it now? It's spiritually difficult. You need to be spiritually um, enlightened, mature to be able to interpret testimonies. You see where I'm going. A lot of people giving testimonies, I just brush it aside. Because Asa got results from what he did. Do you know that? What happened was that Basha was attacking Asa. Basha was the king of Israel. He was attacking Asa. Asa wrote a letter to Ben Haddad. Please come and help me. How do you help? Break. Because what happened was that Basha, Basha had a league with Ben Haddad. Ben Haddad was the king of Aram or Syria. And Syria was powerful. So why Basha was doing what he was doing was because he was relying on the support of um, Ben Haddad. So Asa, after analyzing with his council of war, He said, what do we do? They said, listen, there's no way we can fight this battle. The man supporting Bashar is too strong. So, okay, let's make the man break his um, agreement. So, we need a lot of money for that. A lot of money. So, they took the money from the temple and took to Bashar, to Ben-Hadad. That Ben-Hadad should break his agreement he had with Bashar. Now, what Asa did not realize... Was that the fact that Ben Haddad was, was going to attack him was actually for his own good. Because God looked and said, Let me break the power of Ben Haddad once and for all. So, how was he going to break it? He was going to incite Ben Haddad to come and fight Asa. But Ben Haddad said, What do we do? We'll take things from the temple. We'll get Ben Haddad to break his league with Basha. All right? That's what Asa wanted to do. And where I was going is that, like, do you know it worked? Do you know it worked? What he said is that, break your agreement. And when that one, did that one decide to attack Israel when he saw a lot of money? And natural men are very wicked people. Money, he just changed his mind. He forgot the league he had. And for that reason, Basha pulled back. He realized that he couldn't win the war against Asa. It was after that, the Hanan now came to him. Now, if you read this, you wouldn't understand. He said the armies, he didn't say the army of the king of Israel. Look at it, verse um, 7. He said, because you have relied on the king of Aram and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Aram has escaped out of your hand. They were not the ones attacking. What does that tell you? God was going to incite them to attack Judah so that Asa would turn to God for help. And in turning to God for help, God will now destroy the army of Ben-Hadad. But what's the testimony? You have to be wise. Wisdom, and as we go on, I'm going to teach along that line. When people are teaching you worldly wisdom, many times they are sending you into bondage, you don't realize it. And they'll be telling you it works. That's why I said analyzing testimonies requires spiritual intelligence. You have to look carefully and say, wait, what really worked? The testimony was you are giving to me, are you sure that's exactly what God wanted you to have? Because in this case, he got immediate deliverance. At the expense of things that were precious to God in his life. And what happened? He went into bondage. What God wanted to give to him was total deliverance. Now, I began that by, by saying that when you are going to move to a higher level, there will be tests, there will be trials. Attempts to, look, they will tell you, you remember what I was saying earlier. You are doing business at $5 era level. Door, a door will open to move to 500 million. Do you know what the temptation will be? Things that you never will have agreed to do, they will tell you to do it now. Let me just tell you ahead of time. Just refuse. And it's easy to refuse. you get my point? Manage the level you are in right now. And understand that what 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 is going on, the, the battle going on is not about financial prosperity. It's about the integrity of your faith. And the closer you walk with God, the more important what appears like small things become. The closer you walk with God, there are things that other people will do. God said, for you, don't bother. I gave you testimonies of a different one of our brothers here who the Lord make it clear to them two different ways. You cannot bet against the night. Other people are buying dollars and keeping and making money. But God said, no, for you, you can't. One of our brothers, he said, when he, told his wife, he said, if you try it and God catches you. There are little things, listen, for the for, you know, one thing about Christianity is this. I said, the closer you walk with God, the more important things that appear like little things to other people will be to you. There are people that God will tell. Never, that is, you is, not even have to say it loud. You just know, this business I'm doing, I'm not... I am not giving anybody kickbacks for anything. And the day they want to test you on it, it will be the day your business will be moving from 10 million naira turnover in a month. you are going to now enter the big leagues of dealing in billions. And it will be tempting. Tell them, I like it where I am. It is not about money. You are asking me to take from the gold and the silver of the temple. That is the problem. Leave it like this. I will manage where I am. If God really wants to lift you to another level, he will lift you to a point where you will now be the one opening doors for other people. Not the one that people will be negotiating with that, uh, come, let's do this one for you. It will now be you that will be doing it for other people. But before it gets to that point, you will make sure that you cross each hurdle without losing your faith. As I should have known, the help from ben Had is good, though. I can ask him for help, but I will not take anything from the temple. I won't take anything from the temple for him. I'm sorry. And ben was saying, leave it now. We are going to attack you. He said, eh, be coming. Then like Hezekiah, what do you do? You dive into the temple and say, these people are plenty. Then God will arise and tell you, you will not have to fight in this battle. He told Jehoshaphat. Like he told Hezekiah, don't worry. He will run back the same way he came. An angel will go at night and kill 185,000 Assyrian soldiers. He does that. I began by trying to explain to us that God is still working miracles to today. He's still working miracles. He's still working miracles. He's just looking for people whose hearts will be completely his. I know I went into that. All right. So you know, sometimes when I preach, you say many things. If you know where I started from, it's so far away. Okay, let me remind you. Two, you, are, you are lost now. I can see it in your face. <laughs> say, help me. Yeah, we know we began by trying to explain something. All right. That God wants people to prosper materially, amen. But that when He blessed, um, a, a, um. The widow of Zarephath. It was not just because of one offering. I was under to that there's a process. Remember that? Yes. So the poor have the gospel preached to them. There's a reason why I chose that. The blind see, the lame walk, the dead are raised. But the poor, what do I do? I preach the gospel to them. And bear something in mind. It shows you, therefore, that one of the reasons why they are in poverty, again, is because of lack of accurate spiritual and material information. Bear that in mind. Well, as we go on, we'll explain it. One of the reasons people remain in poverty is because of lack of, one, that adequate, one, spiritual, and two, material information. Sometimes I look at people who are running all over the world, swimming through the Mediterranean to get to Libya, to go and continue, just in Libya, from Libya to Spain to Italy to all those strange places. And when you get there, when you see the kind of things they are going to get you, like, wait. Now, if you are coming from Syria, I can understand war. But if you are coming from Nigeria... Listen, I live in Nigeria. I know I love the country, but what I want to say is not, is not bias. There is no prosperity anywhere on this earth that is so much better than what you are, that what's available to you within this country that you will risk your life on a boat crossing the Mediterranean for there's not. Now listen, there are those who are fleeing from war. I can understand. If they are shooting and killing everybody around you, in Nigeria, they are shooting around you. There are so many peaceful places you can go to. Two of us. A lot of people you see in now, from the north, that's what happened to them. They relocated because of trouble up there. I'm saying there are so many opportunities that it is not enough for you to risk your life to go through the Sahara Desert. No, we hear of those who... who who drown in the Mediterranean, who are rescued by their coast guards and all of that. You know the one you don't hear of? And that's the most terrible one. You know, when you drown, you drown, you die. Do you know how long it takes to drown? Who can guess? You, you, okay, you are on the water for some time, you understand. If you don't know how to swim, which most of those guys can't, you drown fast. And that is, from the time the boat turns over to you are dead, it's not, less than, it's not more than 10 minutes. If you can swim, you, it will wait for you to get tired. That one might last a few hours. Basically, it's not—it's ter, it's a terrible way to die, right? But it's not very bad. The death is rather quick. Like now, if God is not trying to save me, you know, Vanky, he tossed me into the water. I didn't do like eight minutes. Man, no, time. I won't even try to swim. I don't swim before. Say <laughs> kick for what? for what? Why should I kick? I don't believe in swimming. <laughs> Did you ever see Jesus swim? When there was no boat, he walked on water. I'm a water walker. My wife said, I'm trying to console myself. I said, wait, 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 wait. wait. Which one is consolation? Did you even see Paul swim? When the boat break, he carried one, one log of wood. He held it. Is that not so? Swim, okay. Swim, I have a friend. He has a philosophy which I bought into. Now, just by the way. A joke because I can change this doctrine next year. My friend and I, when we were in school those days, when friend our friends would go to this, the, the sports complex, to the swimming pool to go and swim. So here and now we say, Oh boy, if God wanted us to swim, He would have given us gills and given us fins. <laughs> and since He's not given us any of the two, it must be His will that we remain on dry ground. So we'll go to the swimming pool and sit down and be watching our guys dive inside water. Saying, No, it's not the will of God. <laughs> The Lord is good. Like I said, that's just a joke. But the point I'm trying to make is that if you if you are going to drown, it's it's relatively fast. You know the real painful death that many of these our people are experiencing. People don't know. Know the real one? Thirst. They get stranded in the Sahara desert. That one is torture. You'll be alive for a few days. You'll feel your throat turn to sandpaper. Your mouth will glue. You will not be able to spit. Your kidneys will shut down. The sun will roast you well. The scorpion will now be nice. Sting you at night and you'll not die. You'll now ask the scorpion, where were you for three days? Do you know many Africans are dying like that regularly? People don't know. You know why they don't know? Because the Europeans who make the thing into news don't come over there. They die in Mali, in Chad, in strange places. Nobody is counting the corpses. There are many Nigerians that disappear. So they, they want to rush to you know, go from from here to here. The, the, the vehicles break down inside the desert. I've read stories from some people who survived. They will tell you they were in the lorry. Maybe they were 20, 30. certain number of them. Then the vehicle broke down. No, 100 kilometers this way, nothing. 100 kilometers that way, nothing. Let me explain what I'm to say. No trees. No shelter from the sun. And the boys driving the vehicle tell them we are coming. Let's go and look for help, and you don't see them again. And you ask them for what now? Say you are looking for a better life in Europe, and you're looking like, and you're from Nigeria. Are you all right? What better life are you looking for? The risk is too great. If you won visa lottery and entered into a plane and disappeared, I wouldn't feel like that. But you take this risk, bah. And you look at it, one boy I saw on TV the other day. He said, you know, he managed to get across. Now he's hoping that this will happen. And he's, you know, he's making clothes. And in my mind, I said, God, I can take you to people who are doing this thing. You ran to Italy to go and do. They are doing it around and see how God is blessing them. And they are not slaves to anybody. They're employing people like you. I looked at him and I said, Who bewitched you? That's what I'm going that's where I began this from. You know what? They have a lot of wrong information. They, they just have the impression: once I get over to a, a, this particular country, I will start picking money from the streets. If I sneeze, dollar will fall out. Everything I do, they, of course, when they get, they realize that it's not like that. But the information—that's I'm talking about—wrong information is why people take such decisions. They wake up every day. Somebody will tell them that there's nothing. Young men like you have no hope in this country, and they believe it. They believe it. They believe it. They believe a lie. They believe a lie. That's why he said the the poor have the gospel preached to them. That tells you one of the reasons why people are down and out is wrong both spiritual and material information. They don't tell them the full story. One person that manages to, to break through he now comes home after five years and is shining. People therefore are in bondage because of wrong information. But my main message from that is that Jesus said the gospel is preached to them. One of the reasons why he has to do that is to change people's mindsets. Change their orientation. If you talk to people sometimes, you know. <laughs> yeah, the other day I, I, I traveled. I, I, I was with my parents-in-law. We were talking. I, I met one man there. By the time the man finished talking, and the man was supposed to be a politician. Young man, all right. Not an old man. Not as if he's very young, but, you know. I, I, I turned to my wife. I said, people like this will get into power. No wonder we have problems. He made a few statements. I'm like, what? I feel like I said, sir, do you really believe what you have just said? He makes statements like, uh, what government is supposed to do, you understand? Is to just be giving money to people who are not working. He doesn't ask questions like, where will this government get the money from? You know, a lot of people still think that government is supposed to give out money. They don't even realize that government has to end the money one way or the other. Some of you are saying, uh-huh. This is, you see, ignorance is your problem. <laughs> Somebody, a politician will enter, you know, we campaign campaigning. So I will tie all your roads. Yeah. I will give make education free. Yes. I will do this one. Yes. They will not ask, where will you get the money from? Do you know there are people who still believe that Nigeria has a lot of money anything that's not been done is because government does not want to do it. It doesn't cross their minds that government can be broke. So if your government is broke, you know what they say? They are stolen out the money. Oh, God, you know, discussing with foolish people is is painful. It is painful. When foolish people are talking, you just be having stomach ulcer because you know you can't reason with them. I remember once when I was was working in Lagos that time. I was working in a a government um, institution, of course, and that's federal government. So there was a time the chief medical director called everybody called all the union leaders. I was a resident doctor. Called all the union leaders to explain why our salaries would be delayed that month. It, it was delayed already. So we wanted to explain why it was delayed, why we have to bear with him until he's able to solve the problem. Now, uh, the president of our own association was my friend. He used to call me his spiritual father. He was older than me, but because of the way I used to counsel him when he was running for the office, he would say, ah, this is my father. So he saw me say, ah, our guy is calling us now. Come and go with us. So he selected one, or, a few of his friends to go with the main Exco members to give, like what they call, an expanded Exco. So let's go and see what um, our guy is saying. So that's how come I was in that meeting. So the man sat down. Ex- the, the boss was there. The, the uh, director of finance was there. You know, the big men. The, they were there. So he explained, gave facts, gave figures, showed where money is coming from, where money normally comes from, and how short they are. How one budget has not been. Pa-. He told the story and say, please, this is a problem. He has tried everything to be able to pay salaries on time for the month. He has not been able to pay it, and he just wants to give us the explanation and beg us to please give him some more time. So this person spoke, and that person spoke. Finally, one man. (laughs) Oh, God, the Lord is good. You know, there's a reason why Venezuela has a problem. That's all I can tell you. And if you are from Venezuela, I'm not angry with you. I don't know you. I just want you to teach people. When this man was their president, what's his name? Hugo Chavez, the one before Nicolai Maduro. When he was doing what he was doing, nationalizing corporations, doing all the, the social work he was doing, I was watching and I said, this man is setting this country up for disaster. I didn't even know what would happen like this. I knew this would happen. I just didn't know how soon it would happen. And everybody liked him. You know why? He was giving out free food, Free money, free housing, free this, free that, and then fighting the rich. Let me tell you something. One way to ensure you are never rich in your life is to hate rich people. Once you see a rich person, just make up your mind he's a thief. You will never prosper. I'm not joking, though. No. That you are, ang- you are just, ang- you don't know him. It's just that you saw the guy, he's young, he's 45, thereabouts, and he came with a car, in a car that you know he bought for $45 millionaire. You just look at him and say, rubbish, his father is a thief. God will remove your ability to prosper. And I'm not joking. So better stop that nonsense. This man attacked the so-called wealthy. Blame them for the poverty of the poor. That is because they are milking the poor. That's why they are rich and the poor are poor. What I've just told you now is a a satanic mindset. It's a satanic mindset. If you have that mindset, you're in trouble. That is why you are going to have problems in life. Because you don't know anything. One day I was watching Oxfam and Co. talking on TV. They were, they were blaming the corporations. They are the reason that the, the man showed them something. That he said the gap between the rich and the poor is widening. One big, one man from one big corporation, he pointed out facts and figures. He said, but check what you are trying to tell us now. All right. He said, he said, let me balance it for you. He, he said the gap between the rich and the poor, I can't remember the dates, but let me give you an example. That the gap between the rich and the poor, let's say in 1945. All right was, let's say let's just say, 10 kilometers. Do you understand? Okay? They now wanted to say that this was around 2000, the year 2000. Okay, no, about 2010. It's like, in the year 2010 now, the gap is no longer 10 kilometers. It's 100 kilometers. Look at you rich people. You are very, very wicked. That's what they were saying. Oxfam, the charity organization, they were speak, say, speaking like that. The man pointed out something. He said, wait, let's look at where the so-called poor were in 1945. They were on ground zero. And the, and the rich were 10 kilometers ahead. Are you getting me? He said, but now, they are not, the people that are not on ground zero, the so-called poor are no longer on ground zero. They are on level, let's say, 50. It's just that the rich are now on level 500 and something. So the gap is wider. He said, but are people poorer? So that was my first time of looking at it from another angle. That some people are just angry with the rich. Why are you this rich? They do not realize in the effort of some of these rich people, you understand, to become rich, they forced many people to work. They created industries, created corporations, dragged a lot of people out of poverty, but then became exceedingly wealthy. But the so-called poor are just angry. Why should you be that rich and I'm not that rich? So in the process, you know what they do? They knock off the rich, everybody goes back to ground zero, and they're happy. Because we are streaming this, I will not say the name of the country, some people call it, they call it one particular European country type of capitalism. That capitalism comes in different types. The American capitalism is that if you have, we are both farmers, you have 10 cows, I have 5. I will look at you out of envy. I will work hard. I will pray to God, that may God give me 5 extra cows so that you and I will have the same number of cows. How many is that? 10-10. But this other kind of capitalism, I will look. I say, may God kill 5 of your cows so that me and you will not have the same. The Lord is good. Listen, when Venezuela was doing what we were doing, my wife can testify. I looked at them. I said, this thing you are doing, it will backfire. The man who did it, you know why he could do that? They are a major oil exporter. Um, Crude was going for over $100 a bar, so he could afford it. Then he became sick and died. Very smart guy. (laughs) Hugo Chavez became sick. He died. Nicola Maduro took over oil price went down. It got to a point oil was selling for minus $3 a barrel in America. It was so bad that they would give you money to carry it and go when COVID hit. But before that time, it went down. It went down. The, before then, all the rich people, they had gone away. He had nationalized their country, so the country became exceedingly poor. So the so-called poor people that he was trying to force them to be rich by handing out things to them, everybody is now poorer than when they started. Now, there was a story I was going to tell when I went to do that story. What was that first story? Yes. So that day we started that meeting. They now took Nicolai Maduro, one man there, where one of the leaders of the junior staff. All right? I, well, I didn't want to say that before, but let's get the information correctly. Because education is important. You don't have to be senior staff to educate yourself. Please, I beg you, educate yourself. When people are not enlightened, talking to them eh, is, is annoying. I, I, I don't mean you must have a PhD. Just know where Naira comes from. Just know it can finish. That's what I'm saying. Understand why it's sliding against the dollar. Know what they used to call gold standard money and what they now call fiat money. Just be aware. What is the stock market? Where does the stock price go up? What does it come down? Just no little. You don't have to have a degree. Once my wife and I were talking, I mentioned money. She said, I said, remember where we were that day. She said, my husband wanted to ask you a question. I said, what? He said, where did you learn these things from? She studied accounting in university, so she understood it. She said, I had to go to school to learn these things. You, where did you learn them from? Because I know you went to university and studied medicine. I went to university and studied accounting, so knowing money is understandable. Where do you get it from? I read that's what I thought I'd say I read. And I remember understanding money. I read that one from um, Encyclopedia Britannica. I remember. That was where I studied that. Read. What did I say? Lack of information makes people poor. It makes them take decisions that ruin their future. I've seen people who just believe that if you go abroad, your life will just be good. And you ask the fellow, what are you doing? Nothing. Remember Frank Donga? Professional. Go and get that. It's he's he's an old video now. The guy makes comedy kids. He went to the embassy. He said, What do you do? He said, I'm a professional. Anything. You are a professional. The one said, Why do you want to go to my country? He said, Abroad is a place. Abroad is a place that when you get there, your destiny will not be the same again. Your what? Your destiny. <laughs> he said, Your destiny will go from this level and you go to another level. The, the, the interviewer was looking at him like this. He said, when you get to America, he said, he said, how long do you intend to stay? He said, not long. Soonest I'll be back. How long? He said, soonest. He said, I have things doing here. He said, America is a place we have to know all those people Martin Luther King, um, Abraham Lincoln. The woman asked said, Excuse me, this is the British embassy. The guy said, "Ah." Okay, you can still give me that one too. I will still come back. He <laughs> so still give me that one too. He didn't even know where he was going. It was it a joke? But you know many people reason like that? I was in U.S. Embassy once. I don't even know which one was. Anyway, I was in U.S. Embassy once. Yeah, that was a few years ago now. One I was you know, in U.S. Embassy, when they're interviewing, you say, embarrassed. Everybody's hearing what they are discussing. They were interviewing one pastor. I was embarrassed. You know, like, being, you know, your colleague. he been, he said my friend, he invited me for a conference. What's your friend's name? Reverend Jackson. I still remember. And the interviewer, you stood back like that, looking at him. I was sitting down there watching them. Ah, you know what I was feeling bad? He didn't know he was being defrauded. I've gotten those mails. They invite you for conferences that don't exist. He wasn't even aware of it. Of course, the woman looked at him, denied the visa, no Vex, go back to your church. It was a pastor. Ignorance is a terrible thing. You will be defrauding, you won't even know. You'll be making decisions. Frank Logan said, I will, you know, it was a joke. Say, I'll be back soonest. What do you do? They don't know. People want to go abroad, they don't have any plans. They don't even have a, you know, like, okay, when I get there, what do I do? Because many of the things they end up doing when they get there, if they had done them at home, home would have smiled upon them too. Well, I'm saying many things. Let me finish that story, which I have not been able to finish for the last 15 minutes. Then I'll now give out what I'm to say. So this man displayed ignorance that was embarrassing. That's what I'm talking about. it. He got up and said, All this is we are saying. How much money are we talking about? It's something that the chief medical director and the director of finance can enter their office, put their heads together, and bring out the money. And we are here talking. That does not understand that you should pay him his salary, and he went to see them. I understood why Venezuela had problems. And I remember things like that. I said, what? And that, we well, have been dead. These people have given us facts and figures, have talked for some time. Even if you feed their line, prove them wrong. Are you getting my point? Don't just open your mouth and say, this is what you are saying. I don't understand. I know the money is somewhere. People don't want to give us. Because some people don't believe that government can be broke. Should I tell you the truth? They can be broke. They can be broke. American government can be broke. Currently, Nigerian government is broke. In fact, American government technically is bankrupt. Technically. Okay, let me not say they are bankrupt, they can still meet their obligations. They are during the COVID crisis, their death, their death, um, burden, I think it crossed $3 trillion. A lot of the money they are owing to China and other people that bought their bonds. Most of them, thank God, domestic debt. You know, sometimes people are abusing the Nigerian government. Why are they, why are they borrowing? I said, but you, you want to go to America? God has not Trump. He too is borrowing. This life is a life of. Bo- Those guys can borrow. Governments can be broke. People don't have enough information, they make certain decisions. When people are telling you, come and make money, the least you can do ask how. Today, a friend of mine came to me one day Say, said, Banky, ah, there's this thing that's making money. I said, what is it? He said, my sister in America introduced me to it. I said, eh. Now, nah, I have a, a, a command from God. If the only thing something would do for me is make money, I don't get involved. I don't care how big the money is. If all it will do is make me money, I don't get involved. It's a sin if I do. If I cannot find the productivity that's going into it from me, and I'm going to bless people around where, where money will be a side, you know, a side effect. If it's like, just do it to make money. God we I know, let me not say more than that. Me and Baba God, we have issues with that. My friend said, It's making money. I said, What do they do? He said, You invest money, you be, you know, you've seen the graph, your money will be going up like this. So I called him, I said, My brother, my name is Jonah. When you are in your boat, don't let me enter. Otherwise, you will not get to Tashishu. She Tashi is prosperity for you. He said, I have told you. I said, yes, thank you for telling me. But me, I'm not joining your boat because I will drown everybody. I did not even know that they were planning to drown. <laughs> and I know my friend is a bragging man. You know, he's the kind of person that will brag and say, oh boy, see the 10 million I just made. I told you that I didn't join. Once he stopped talking about it, I knew, I knew, the t- I knew things were bad. You remember the days of MMM? All your friends that were making money from MMM, when they stopped talking, you know, you know, <laughs> you know Mavrodi don't die. <laughs> no, you knew Mavrodi was dead. Mavrodi had to be dead. My friends stopped talking, he didn't tell me anything about it again. There one day, I read, I read a lot, especially, you know, current affairs news. I was reading BBC. Then I clicked on something, and there had this report. I ran to their podcast, downloaded all the reports, and took them out to listen. And I found out that that woman, one company led by one woman, just defrauded the globe of over $5 billion. And my man's money was part of it. And that graph that was going up was being generated in somebody's computer. Yeah, increase the graph. Enter. The graph will go off. And all over the world, from America down to Kenya, Nigeria, everywhere, China, people invested in, invested money in zero. When the money had crossed like four, five, or six billion dollars, the woman disappeared. Her brother is in jail in America right now. She, they can't find. They believe that she has changed her face through cosmetic surgery, has disappeared into one corner of Europe, and she and her mafia friends have shared the billions of dollars. And my friend's graph is still high up there. <laughs> At least my mom was. I said, "What are they doing? Ask questions." Mmm. Said, "Get help and provide help." I said, "Are you mad? Listen, you know there are things people would do. You just said that you're a gluten for punishment." Since I was in university, there was a time we were doing. They were doing plan well. There was a umana umana in in, in Portacot. There was monetary. We have seen these things come and go. There were times in school, people were selling bonds. So from those early days, I learned about pyramid schemes. So when an adult still falls for a pyramid scheme now, I just make up my mind one or two things. Either you are incredibly stupid, or you are incredibly greedy, so greedy you have become blind. It's one or two things. That you should know, this will collapse. So some know. They say, let us go in first and get our own. Then you are greedy. And 90% of people lose overall. There's one guy in Nigeria that I used to call him a guider. I've been trying to track where he is right now. Because, there's listen, if you are listening to me, just listen, I'm not joking about it. There's not one of them, not one, that will prosper for a long time without money. You stole from people. The Bible says the curse of the Lord is in the house of the thief. God is following around. He's angry with you. His, his, His angels are stabbing you daily. Oh, you so amazing, you just see people carry people who still take loans. Met a woman once. We we're walking together, she just passed by me. Ah. I said, Madam, what is the problem? The way she said whispers. Normally a happy person. Ah. And when a woman behaves like that, only one thing happens. What is it? Her husband. She has done something. So I called her, said, Madam, what happened? What did he do? He says not my husband. Ah. what it come happen? He said, Can I take permission I want to go home? I said, okay, go. Then I came to my office and said, Sir, I just want to thank you for showing concern the other day. I said, let me tell you what happened. When I heard it, I remember the question I asked. Her. I said, people like you, your model is still in the market? You know, usually you have an old model. I, 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 said, I said, do they still make you? Somebody told you, bring money. And every month I will give you 40%. And you give the person money. You know, I was like, wait, excuse me. Wait, wait, wait. Somebody told you bring money. And every month I will give you 40%. And you believed? Not only did she believe, she put other people in and personally guaranteed one of them. You know, I shook my head. I said, no, I don't get it. You believed it. You must have incredible faith in the kindness of natural man. Yes. Because if I had any scheme that can give me 10% guaranteed a month, I'll be a billionaire in the next two years. I will walk over to a guaranteed trust bank, Zenith Bank. I will mortgage my father's house. Do you get my point? I will go to our village, mortgage the whole village. Me and him. I say, don't worry. When we finish, we'll go buy Atlanta. These banks will give me, okay, let's say just a hundred million naira, And I will give myself and Igwe 10 million naira. Sorry, just 10% old, 10% I will give us 10% a month, which is how much? 10 million every month. All the banks you collect from me is less than 20 million at the end of the year. If I can negotiate well. So in two months, I'll pay them the interest for the year. So if somebody walks to you and says, I'll give you 40% a month, you should know he's lying. Because he's not a kind person. I see them in this building. See them there. When you are climbing up, you see them. Every... You see them? Telling people how to make money. They can't even see in an office. They're on plastic chairs under the canopy. of it. Nobody's taking the day there. I said, look, if somebody sees you down here, He's not a man of God. If he was a man of God, now you can say okay, Elijah can be in the longo, Okay? But you want to teach me to make money, you can't even make it. If you will make it, just your small, small boys and girls should be inside offices, swiveling on chairs. Not hiding on my staircase. And I will give you money. He said the poor have the gospel priest to them. A lot, the majority of the poor are poor. They have no, even natural information, they don't have it. Natural information, they don't even have it. They don't, that is natural information. They just be jobbing them. When I see the way people lose money, I wanted to buy something one day. I think it was a, a face cap, yes, for my kids. So one guy was passing, so I called him to sell me the face cap. He called it a high price, of course, you know the way it is, you haggle. So finally, he sold it for me for, I think, um, I said, I'll buy it for 400. He said, 500 Naira is what it will sell. After a long time, make a long story short. I gave me 500 Naira. And he told me something. He said, oh, God. As if like I made him talk a lot. He now said something. He said, I should watch him. That this would have come. That he would sell it to them, 1,000 Naira for one. Now, this is where I'm going. Maybe he was planning to sell it to 1,000 Now, I was in a car. Air conditioned. The car was shining. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. I didn't look poor at all. I could have fought that cap well. I bought for my kids. I bought quite a number. I just gave the children. And I paid him for, I think, 450 or so for one. After haggling. And he told me he was going to sell to the other people for $1,000. You know who they were? Laborers. Guys who earn $2,000 a day. After digging money till evening. Guys who carry pong You know what they call pong pong, Who serve missing. And I said, they will give you $1,000 for this. They don't even know the value. Ha! Huh? You know, I was alarmed. I said, Oh, that's why the poor keep on they keep on getting poorer. The little they have, they put into pockets with holes. They don't even know how to get good value for the money they have. And you know, what's telling me like this one where I just the day they the speaking difficult? I should just go, I should just watch him. He's going crying. <laughs> you know. Huh? That's why Jesus said you poor have the gospel preached to them. They need both spiritual, which is most important. And material information. Oh, that is the reason why people are poor. And that's why Jesus said, listen, that's where we started from. We start preaching the gospel to people. But what I began to explain today is for us to understand that God has a message that prospers people materially. He has a message to prosper people materially. He does. And that's what I want to begin to preach from today. I don't know. Maybe along the line, we'll do our meeting that we do. We did some, it was last year. You know, the in-house meeting, Business by the street. Along the line, we'll do it again. To get into, because I'll be preaching, I'll not be talking practical things. Let's talk to ourselves. Because I am convinced. What i about to say, listen to it. I'm convinced God does not want his children to be poor. I am not said. listen. One of the things I, I plan to say, I don't know whether I, I I'll get it today, is for us to understand God's mind. We'll define things. He doesn't, he doesn't want us to be earthly minded. Are you getting my point? We cannot live as if this world is our home. That's one. Another thing is that he doesn't want us to misjudge what is true wealth. Like if you ask God who's the richest African, he will not mention the Kudangote, I doubt whether he will mention it. If you ask God who's the richest man in the world, he will not mention Jeff Bezos. Mark Zuckerberg may not come near his top one, one billion. I hope you're getting my point. And God demands that his children should understand that too. He said, The godly one in the land, they are my heroes. Not the materially wealthy ones. No man they say, and then they explain to us that, listen, if we can get God's Perspective right. Get his definitions right. Believe me, he can prosper. In fact, not he can. He wants to prosper his children well, abundantly. Lack for him is one of two things. Lack is either a trial of your faith or it's punishment for disobedience. I'm not aware of the third one. It's either a trial of your faith or a punishment for disobedience. It is not the perfect will of God. You have to read people like Paul. They were apostles. So he will tell you, as Paul, yet making many rich. Paul understood that if I'm lacking anything, it's so that you can be rich. He said, yet yeah, you look at it apparently. Death works in us. He said, why? So that life may work in you. That is, there's nothing I'm doing here, suffering like this, except that I need to bring the life of God into your environment. So I take this beating for the sake of Christ. But if I settle down, whom I didn't have to come here, deep, by the ab- abundance of revelations that have been given to me, Lack won't be my portion. So every time I suffer lack, it's it's a mission. It's a mission. It's a mission. It is something I'm doing specifically for the will of God to be done in your life. Sometimes God perfects the author of salvation through sufferings. Jesus is the main author of salvation. Paul said, whatever is lacking in his sacrifice, I'm putting it in. That is, I go around preaching that gospel. For that reason, I endure poverty. After all, um, Jacob, Caleb, he believed God. Joshua believed God. But they both stayed in the wilderness for the next 40 years. Why? They were redeemers for the people. He made it clear to Joshua, I have, this was the reason I gave you life, to help the people inherit the land. So Joshua had to stay with them. So being in the wilderness for him was not a matter of unbelief. It was because he had an assignment to carry these people, at least their descendants, into the promised land. So we have to learn to fight The unbelief, the wrong practices that hinder the blessings of God from coming into our lives. But fundamentally, we must understand that the will of God, listen to me, people have insulted prosperity preachers and all of that, okay? But let me tell you the truth. Prosperity is the will of God. Are you getting my point? Listen, people can mess things up, doesn't make the thing wrong in itself. Most of the prosperity preaching people preach these days is not prosperity gospel, it's prosperity manipulation. It's covetousness on the path of the pastor. It's, 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 it is pulpitial witchcraft. Don't worry, the word did not exist before. I just manufactured it just to make things clear. Now, why are you squeezing your face? It's witchcraft on the pulpit. One of the things, and that's why people insult the gospel. We don't preach real prosperity. We don't preach real prosperity. A lot. Some, of, some people do. But a lot is not common. So a lot of things that we preach is actually not real prosperity. It's nothing but pulpit manipulation of people for the progress of the ministry. Like somebody told me, say, they tell us to sow, so so. Meanwhile, all they are doing is ripping, ripping, ripping. He so say, what kind of thing is that? And it was a deacon in the church. He told me, he said, what are you doing, walking in that place you are working? He said, you go and grow your church so you can relax and be enjoying and he will say it and burst into laughter. He said they will be telling us to so, so, so. Meanwhile, all they are doing is ripping. This is how he did his hand. They are ripping, ripping, ripping. That is what gave the prosperity gospel a bad, you know, a bad name. It's a good gospel. If you preach it properly, it's a correct gospel. Once I was in this place as our former venue before we moved over here. One funny man. Really I, I shouldn't call him a funny man. I think he was a very silly man. I'll tell you why he was silly. He came that day, I was preaching. He looked a bit senior, you know. Not you know, looked established. In fact, later on when he and I were talking, he had a son who was he was a university graduate. He sat at the back that day, and it happened to be the time I was preaching. I think the saints of God, and and you can listen to the series, and I got to a particular point I was explaining that God wants his people to prosper. And I was talking and talking, and it was there, greed in his soul. I thought it was righteous grief. When I finished preaching, they said the man wanted to see me. I obliged him because I respected his age and the fact that, anyway, I obliged him anyway. You know what he started doing? He started trying to correct what I said. I'm not too big to be corrected, but you see where I'm going in a moment. So when he hears his prosperity, he feels there's a disconnect. A disconnect. And he now told me about his son that uh, maybe the young one goes to church, he's believing in prosperity, and he's not working. And in my mind, you're a bad father. It's not, isn't it my fault? So when he was talking, I didn't get it initially. You know, when he was speaking a grammar, he did not understand. Disconnect. To me, the disconnect I know is Electricity. Do you, and really, I'm not used to disconnecting the standard English. He was the one that made me start using like, you know, thinking of that expression. What he was trying to say that my doctrine didn't match reality. The disconnect. Okay? So when he finished talking, I was not getting his point as if, oh, I'm telling people God wants them to prosper. He was interpreting it as if I'm telling them to relax, believe God, and manna will fall from heaven. So when he finished, at that point, when he and I were speaking, my wife walked in, you know, to pick something or talk to me, and then she left. So, you know, you know, Paul said, let us brag. He said, bragging is not good. I feel like a fool. But I need to brag a lot of you. We wake up. He was talking to the Galatians. One evening I said, oh, this man thought I've gathered young people to come and deceive them. He didn't know. So I asked him. I said, excuse me, sir. I said, is your first time here, right? He said, yes. So you have not been here before. You've not heard me preach. He said, no. I said, those people you have seen out there, they've heard me preach many times and they know me. I said, let me explain to you. I'm a specialist. I'm a consultant pathologist in the teaching hospital. I teach in three universities. I said, you see that woman that came in here? She's an accountant by training. She does business. I said, the people that I'm preaching to, they know me. When I told him what I do on a natural level, he almost fell. That is, I saw him sag in his chair. I am preaching God wants you to prosper. Is the reason why I'm working. If God did not want people to prosper, they should all be at home. If you follow me on Twitter, I tweeted something the other day. I said, listen, we spiritual people understand that hustle does not turn to wealth. But when God has given you spiritual wealth, you can use hustle to convert what is spiritual into what is material. When I finished talking to him, the guy was humble. Humble. I said, bros, that time, not now, that time I was teaching because when I came came to Enugu, because of my specialty, they didn't have lecturers. I remember when I started teaching in the, at, at Newe. The man there, the prof there begged me. I said, oh, God, it's too... T- and I'm not kidding. My car spoiled once on the way there. I used a whole month salary they were paying me to fix it. I wasn't making money from it. I told him, excuse me, sir. This cannot even fuel my car to be driving up and down here. He begged me, said, Please, sir. Eh? He calls me, bank Ali. He said, bank Ali, listen, listen. You are doing this for me. Ah! I did that thing for years. I told him, okay, we are preaching prosperity does not mean we believe in laziness. One of the signs you believe God is that you are not lazy. You get up in the morning, you are not proud. Many of our people that say, well, I'm going abroad, I'm going abroad, go, I've been there, I know what they do. You you think people just go to America and sit down there, a man will just be falling from heaven, Donald Trump, say, man, everybody take, (laughs) take. No. People wake up in the morning. You know, in fact, I have a particular philosophy that an average Nigerian looking for work should be exported to America for six months, then brought back to Nigeria, he will find work second day of coming back. You know, you have friends who can dash you money in Nigeria now. You have friends. <laughs> Many you know I have a brother in law who is an American citizen. Many years ago, I went to the US stay with him for some time before he traveled to Nigeria. So once we were talking, I gave him money. I wasn't like I was dashing him because we were together, so he was making expenses on, on my behalf, you know, fording his cow. So I just wanted to buy foil. So I just took open my uh, wallet gave him some money to buy foil. This was in the U.S. He said, bros. <laughs> he was happy with the money. He said, bros. He says, I come to America. Now only three people don't dash me money. At that time, he'd been in the U.S. I don't think it was less than five years. He says, since I come to America, now only three people don't dash me money. He was speaking pidgin English. He said, one, my mama, waiting for Nigeria. He said, two, your wife, my sister, in Nigeria. He said, three, you, we come from Nigeria. That is, he says <laughs> that that time I was giving him money is the third time in over five years living in the U.S. that anybody has given him a dime. And all three came from Nigeria. And I remember that. Day. somebody was traveling abroad, ah, my wife said, oh, you will see my brother. I said, yes. So he gave the person $100. Please give him $100 or $20. Give him for me. He said, that was the second time. He said, this one that you are giving me now is the third time. You think you go to America, people just be dashing your money? Forget that thing. You work for every dime. If you steal it, you go to jail. If you see this in Nigeria, you say, oh, God, no vexer. They will leave. You say, I warn you. They you slap your face and you go. American man catch you. You are going to prison. So when our brethren reach there, you know what happens to them? They walk. And they are never too proud to do anything. Because if you are too proud, hunger will humble you. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of hunger. I'm telling you. <laughs> hunger will humble there was one guy I heard about. He was, the, I think it was Nonichawa Lagos. He was a businessman in the market, buying and selling then. He won American Visa Lottery of those days. He sold all that he had and packed his family and got to the US. And those who received me, they, helped him rece- they received it very well. And they were very nice. They quickly, very, you know, very early, helped him get a house of his own because he came with his wife and his children. So he moved in. All the money he came with from Nigeria. After a while, it finished. Well, how long do you think it's going to last? Of course, maybe six months after. Ah, after a while, the guy realized, oh boy, what's going on here? Onicha oh, no, market no not there for here. He was a trader. Make a long story short, sure. at that point, he had become a construction worker. Man that used to own a business. Now, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Construction working is good. Are you getting my point? But nobody told him that. Because people sometimes, when they are making decisions, they think they are only adding, they don't know what they are sacrificing. In his mind thinks he will take his comfort that he has locally. He will get over there, add the good roads, the good um, the power supply, the infrastructure, everything, and he'll become rich. I didn't realize he was leaving what he knew. He didn't have information. Why I'm going into that is that Bruce be- he became a construction worker. Listen, when Bernard Madoff defrauded the whole world of 30-something billion dollars, I was watching it on TV. I remember this, oh, and listen, when we were young, they used to make, give us the impression that oh, Yoruba people, they are not strong. Have you, did you ever hear that before? I hope you know it's a lie. They are strong. They walk like horses. On the average, now, I, I'm a black man, right? Okay. On the average, they walk much harder than the average black person. Work is in their genes. They are brought up working. During long vacs, their children go to work. Only rich people, do you understand? All oh, this your holiday. You know, you know Nigeria people. We are very, very good with holiday. Long holiday, we don't pack all our wife and children. We don't we disappear. To all. For them, extremely few people can afford that. Long holidays. You know what their children do? Work. You know the kind of work they do? They'll be going from house to house, cutting grass. Their father lives down the road, though, on the same street. The children go from house to house, mowing the lawn. It's little money, but the parents teach them to work from time they are young. In fact, they said the Jewish ones are even the worst. Those ones, they teach their children the value of every dollar. So the children grow up knowing that dollar is not free. They have a work culture. The socialist background many Af- Africans have, they still think that you just get up in the morning. Government should provide the road. Government should provide the job. Government should provide power. Government is God. They should do everything. They should provide heartbeat, medicine, everything. After all, they are government. So when our people get there, they merge into the strong work culture. So see a university graduate as soon as he gets to America. Anything he sees, he does. Offload cement for Dangote, he doesn't complain. You know, back at home, I got a B, BSc in engineering, second class upper. I'm supposed to stand like this and be watching those who don't go to school offload cement. When I America, you know, Americans don't believe in your certificates first. They believe what you can do. So you got a degree in engineering? Man, where have we engineers before? He wants to know. <laughs> if you have not, listen, the guy, he can give you an engineering job, you start doing engineering for him immediately. If not, you go and carry pong pong. No, just understand your degrees. If you see seen an American write CV. The day I saw an American medical specialist, the CV, I was afraid. Americans are very, very bombastic. They don't have any, they don't, they are, they don't, they don't pull punches. They are not, um, you know, okay, modesty is not their portion. They are not modest. When an American wants to apply for a job, he will tell you, maybe applying for a teaching job. He will tell you, in 2014, I taught six hours a week. in also in some places. place. These are the things I taught. And six of my students came out with a distinction in the state exams. In 2019, I moved over here and I was teaching 12 hours a day and he has proof for everything. So by the time you see his CV, at the end, he will not let you know his degree. You know what he can do. So now our brethren get there, you know what they do? They match the culture. And I love Nigerians. Somebody say Nigerians are good people. As soon as they, receive, they realize there's no party for jungle, they work harder than the people that they meet there. Currently, Nigerians are the most educated group in the United States. That is, immigrant Nigerians. That is, white, black, yellow, purple, Asian. Add them together. The most educated group are Nigerians. You can go and Google it up. I'm not telling you stories. I will show you a video. What my friend in the U.S. sent to me other day. One white man sat down, analyzed their average income, analyzed positions they held. He said, the Niger- he was talking Nigerians. If average income in America, I don't have the figures of it, let me just give it to you. If average income is, let's say, $30,000, the Nigerian average income is forty-five. He shows the proportion that most of the jobs they take, he shows the level, where they are. So guys get up, realize, and they start doing what? Working. They convert the blessing into material prosperity through hustle. But you know when they are back home, you will call your uncle and say, bros. Uncle, not in there, not in there. You go, wire your you money? So you know what that does for you? You go for interview. Look at what they want to pay you in this job. I don't like it. You go back home and sleep another three months. You know, in these three months, you're not hungry. Some people are even so foolish, they go and stay with their mother. The mother is earning pension money. And a 26-year-old graduate of four years is eating the money and is not working. Hi. Your tooth will ache. <laughs> Listen, anytime you are having sore truth, just know why. You're always having sore truth. Is the food you are eating. If you are like that, you say, hey, no, I've applied in MTN, I've applied in GT Bank, I've applied in Glo, I've applied in Shell, I've applied, you've applied everywhere, and you are still eating. That is why. If you listen to me today you are like that, one brother, I met him once. Eh? I love him. God, if you are listening to this, it might be, God will bless you for that thing you did. I went to Port Harcourt. You know, there are people you see, you know that their father was rich and their grandfather was probably rich. You know, it's in their skin. The skin has never been wrinkled. It's not as if it wrinkled and it came straight. No. Two-generation smoothness. He told me he was working at an oil company, oil servicing firm. And at the oil servicing firm, when the, uh, there was some, there was, when the oil price began to dip, I think it was last year or so, they laid people off. Oh no, they were not paying them. So for months, they had not earned money. He said, but he listened to me preach. He said, my parents are well-to-do. I could have gone back home. He said, but I looked. See, he I've heard you preach. I said, no, I'm not going anywhere. He said, I went to learn how to paint. So I joined my friends in construction to paint houses. He's an engineer. He was working for an oil servicing firm. He said, when these guys don't pay, he said, I have a wife. I have two children. He said, 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 no. He said, I can easily go to my father. He said, my father would bring money. But I said, no. I'm a man. So he has friends who are doing construction. So he went and said, guys, what work can I learn fast? They said, painting. He went and learned how to paint. So when his his guys are building houses, he's there rolling roller and rolling paint, and climbing ladder. He said, that's what I do now. He has not left the job because he's hoping that things will balance. I mean, you know, all servicing firms, they pay well. How much will the painter earn? He said, but let me paint and feed my wife and children. That's the kind of culture we are talking about that a lot of people need to learn. If you are sitting down there for your your mother, your mother is earning pension money and feeding you, go out, go and wash cars. You don't have to be rich. At least when you are coming home, two loaves of bread every day. How much is two loaves of bread? Is it not just like 500, 600, or 700 at most? Okay, okay, one million, all right? Whatever it is. <laughs> whatever it is, if you, listen, listen. If you wash cars, if, listen. If you wash three cars, you will buy two loaves of bread, truffles. At least come home with bread. Come home with egg. You know one guy, I went to where he was he said, I should talk to him because he's going to do something terrible. I said, what happened? He said, my father is not behaving like a father at all. <laughs> I looked at him. Your father is not behaving like a father. What? He said he's selling land and just eating the money all by himself. He said, otherwise I'm going to do something terrible. He came from one village never I looked at the boy. I, I, I said, you know I told you about information. Spiritual information, he didn't have it. When he finished, I said, how old are you? He said, he's 33. Eh? Did you go to school? He said, yes. I said, who paid? He said, my father. Eh? So you have finished school? He said, yes. Do you work? He said, yes. What do you do? He said, I'm a farmer. What do you farm? He said, I'm a poultry farmer. I said, eh? So what is your father supposed to do that he's not doing? I said, because from what you have told me now, he owes you nothing. You owe him everything. I said, my brother, your father has a right to sell land, get a shredder, shred the money, flush it down the toilet, and it's none of your business. He was looking at me like, what? I said, let me tell you what you will do. I prayed for him that his family will prosper. I said, from now, every week, at the end of the going, when you are going home, at least half a dozen eggs, stop by your father's house and give to him. I said, when you have old layers, take two of them. Dress them nicely and give to your father. And I said, paint is not expensive. Emotion, There are cheap versions of emotion paint. Come to your father's house. Get two painters. Buy a few buckets of paint. And repaint his house. I said, that is how you will solve this problem. As your father's land is not your business. He was looking like, where did this preacher come from? And I told him, I said, do that. And God will so bless you. You won't care what your father is doing. The guy didn't have information. He thought his father should be sharing land money with him. God can so bless you buy the whole village. What am I going to explain? Listen. When people don't have proper information, they misbehave. They do that which is wrong. And they are unable to prosper. Let me tell you how curses work. Let me just sit down. I'm just introducing the whole subject. Then we'll go into details next time. Let me tell you how curses work. One man said, you know, have you heard this before? The problem in Africa is that we pray too much. Let me just quickly tell you, it's a lie. We don't pray. We don't even pray. All this one saying. We pray too much. After one, we'll get to church. It's not died by fire, we say. All our enemies. That's what you call prayer. That's not prayer. That's not prayer. That's not prayer. That's not what they call prayer. All every power say my destiny will not flourish, die by fire is not a prayer. It is not a prayer. The fact is that we don't pray enough. What did I say There are curses. I'm not hoping today there are no curses. I'm saying you should work hard right. Remember I said we need two kinds of information. What and what? Spiritual information, first of all because it is possible to gather and a spiritual force will scatter it. It is possible to bring money home and you bring it into pockets with holes. It is That is why Jesus had to be the one to come and preach deliverance to the captives and preach the gospel to the poor. It's not just words. It's a spirit of prosperity is passing to people. If God has not commanded a blessing in your direction, struggle from now to tomorrow, you only become sick and you will die. God was talking about, I think the Edomites said, they say we will gather. He said, I was scattering the gather. He said, they will become known as a people against whom the Lord has indignation. There's bad luck and there's good luck. Now, on the surface, in reality, is a spiritual blessing. What am I trying to explain? Curses are real. And what Jesus does for us is to break curses. I don't want because people make it look as if the problem in Africa is that eh, listen, people are praying, or people are there, do what they're supposed to do, people are praying. That's not true. Curses are real. But I want to explain that if curses work, there's a way they work most of the times. They teach people, they remove people's sense. Now, there are two ways they work. Natural disasters, they bring money into pockets that has holes. The God can say, he said, I withheld my rain. If rain is withheld, what can you do about it? Locals can come and destroy. That's one way curses work. But another way curses work, this one is more subtle, is that it teaches people what is wrong to do. People start doing that which is wrong. So a whole continent, that's, that's what I'm trying to get to, they can be under a curse. A whole race of people can be under a curse. Now listen to me, it is not a joke, it's not a, a game of chance. It's spiritually determined that generally speaking, African countries as a group, they are the poorest on the earth. Am I telling the truth or not? The other day I was here preaching. Because sometimes when I give information, at the end of the day, I go to try and verify them before we publish things that are wrong. And I said, Congo, that's DRC. That's one of the poorest countries on this earth. And I went to check. Only for me to, to verify it, That is second. second. You know? I think Yemen was pushed down because of war. Congo was the second. Now, you know what's the big deal about it? I'll tell you. They also have the largest, the second largest arable land mass on the earth also. Did you hear what I said? They have more arable land mass than the United States. They say only Brazil beats them. Mass Land. You understand? You can grow crops. Let's not talk about minerals. The earth there, full of all kinds of mineral oils, including what they call rare earth. They have some of the rare things over there. Things for building jets, all kinds of things. How on earth... And this is still the second poorest country. If you don't believe in spiritual things, you don't understand life. The only thing is that when the spiritual things want to work, you can trace the way they are working. They will tell you that the Congol- uh, the what do you call those people? The Belgian, the, 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 is it the, what do you call people from Belgium? Belgium. Okay, the Belgians, right? Belgium. Okay. I was going to say the Belgians. <laughs> no Congolese, Belgies. <laughs> The Liberians came, king, something, something, Leopold, of, and did this one to them, and they maltreated them, and they did this and that, and then they now divided the people. Then war started after. Then Marxists tried to take over the country, make a long solution. We'll tell stories and tell stories and tell stories. These stories are nothing but operations of spiritual curses. What's my message? They are broken in Christ Jesus. Ah, you don't seem to believe it, though. They are broken in Christ Jesus. The foundation for material blessing, material prosperity for the people I'm preaching to, I'm not talking naturally, I'm talking to people who believe in Christ Jesus. The foundation is the blessing that is in Christ Jesus. Listen, the blessing in Christ is superior to any other blessing. Natural human beings have different kinds of blessings. Whether they believed in Christ or not, there are people that hereditarily, because of their link with shame, they have a blessing. And then if their ancestors have invoked the blessing of God upon their lineage, there are blessings they also enjoy. After checking left and right, I have a conviction that the African man has none. As a group, apart from the one that's in Christ. And God is kind. One of them is that I don't think God's been wicked to them. God knew what He packaged in Christ, and He said that one is superior to everything. Let me tell you the kind of message I want to preach, because it's the truth, it's not, not a joke. The kind of message that if people in, Belgium, in um, DRC, Congo, if they hear it, operate by that they will catapult over the next one or two generations from being the second poorest on the earth to being the second richest on the earth. Yeah, because naturally speaking, they have everything. They have the landmass, they have the population, they have people. But the ability to tap the resources, is God given them. But when the gospel begins to come, it starts empowering people. It starts giving them right information. It starts telling them what to do. Now, not just like in the process of mining and agriculture and transportation and things that you call, you know, economic activities. No, even in how to relate. Because before blessing comes to you materially, it corrects your morality. It does that. Because many people that God wants to bless, he can't. He's trying hard, he can't. There are too many negative forces. They are releasing, releasing to the air by virtue of the way they behave. One of the earliest signs of God's blessings is correction. Every day you are being corrected. Every day, Everything you are doing wrong is being corrected. What am I going to emphasize? There is a blessing for us in Christ Jesus. And that blessing we manifest materially. Somebody give me an amen. amen. Now, but let me explain something about it that I close. We'll take it off from there next time. I said something earlier that we have to be careful because, you see, when you are dealing with God's things, God's things, like now, in Christ, you have a blessing. The blessing is released to you in his promises. Remember that? Now, the word of God has different aspects. We've talked about that many times here. Now, if God gives you, what the Bible called, David will tell you, quicken meaning according to your word. This is your word to your servant in which you have caused me to hope. That way you see the word, 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 there is talking promise. That's the promise of God. That's one major part of God's um, uh, of, God, of God's word, the promises, and we operate by them. That's what our hope is in. Now, but for the promise to work, there's what they call precepts. Are you getting me? There's what they call precepts. The precepts of God are the principles that He has established for us. I'm not. I'm talking about only those two now, because I want to connect something. So, if you want God's promises, you can't take the promises without his precepts. You can't take his promises without his principles. You can't. It's not allowed. They go together. What do I mean? The problem we have as believers is that we imbibe the precepts, the precepts of the world. Then we take God's promises and put on them. And we expect them to work. Let me explain what they say. For example, we talk about prosperity. What many of us call prosperity is this. You go out, take your girls shopping, and buy them three Ferraris. Are you getting my point? And we call it prosperity. <laughs> hey, please, I'm not saying it's bad, though. I'm just trying to say that that is not prosperity. That is money to buy cars. Are you getting my point? It's not... Um, uh-huh. So many times when people are preaching, are praying, and I say, Father God, in the name of Jesus, in Christ Jesus, I have been set free. In Christ Jesus, I have prosperity. In Christ Jesus, I will buy Ferrari. Jesus, Jesus said, hey, wait, 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 wait. When did I talk about Ferrari? Are you, I hope you're getting my point. That Listen, that's where the problem is. You take the prosperity as a promise which is correct, The Lord that God gave the power to create wealth, it is correct. The poor have the gospel preached to them so you come out of poverty, it is correct. Then you set worldly standards for prosperity. You confuse everything. So even when God is blessing you, you get tired. Then you start pursuing what God didn't send you to have. You start going to places. You know, do you know that to have so I have a reason to live, something to you know, to live for, to create, people to bless is prosperity. You know, are the other people were just giving me testimonies about how my teachings, Kingdom World Ministries and all of that have been a blessing to them. And I turned to my wife. I said, What else are we looking for in life? I said, What else are we looking for in life? One brother said something to me, I laughed. I, you know. He, he, I know, um, he said, okay, he, I said something, then he wrote it down. I said another thing, I took paper and wrote it down. I said, what are you writing? You are know, just sitting with somebody, maybe we are just sitting down, and we are talking in the sitting room. And he's writing. I said, what are you writing now? Ha, he says, sir, you don't understand. I said, well, he said, you were chairman at my wedding. I said, yes. He said, during the wedding you were speaking, and you told me that I'm not paying attention. He said, so in my mind, I said, what you are saying, I will listen to it in the tapes, That's the video recording. He said, do you know that's the only part of the video that did not play? He says, since that time I told myself, when you are talking, I will write it down. <laughs> I had a good laugh later. My wife and I was talking about it. Now, after I told my wife, I said, well, what are you looking for? You are talking, somebody is writing, you are just gisting and your words are being written down so they can imbibe it later. I said, you don't think that is prosperity? It may not be money, but it was a fulfilling day for me. They have a saying in western Nigeria, he said, if you go out in the morning to go and look for money, and you stumble into honor, he said, you go back home. Because if you had found the money, you would have used to buy honor. He said, after all, what do you, do, what you use money for? Is it not to buy honor. So if you find honor, your chase after money should be over. So sometimes in life, we define prosperity wrongly. So even when God is fulfilling his word in our lives, we are still struggling. Even when he's fulfilling his word, sometimes he places us in places where we can influence people. But we look and turn the thing around and say, I'm influencing people, but I never buy Ferrari. So they say, where can I easily buy Ferrari? They say, if you move to Belgium, buying a Ferrari is easier. So the man we abandon all the positive influence he is on this earth, and go to a place where nobody gives a damn whether he lives or dies. I've seen people brag on what they've achieved. Ever since I moved to Europe, I bought a house. Ever since I moved to the U.S., I have done this. Ever since I I have done this one and I'm looking. I said, wait, you've not pointed out to me how you have become a blessing to people around you. All you can show me is the car you bought and the house you bought. You are confused. Totally confused. That's one problem. Because sometimes, God places us somewhere. Okay, you don't have so much money. But at least three young boys are not going to be criminals because they work for you and they earn enough money to be able to pay. You know, they work for you part-time, they go to school part-time. And because of you, their friends don't even have time, they don't have time to listen to their friends who are trying to tell them some things, negative things to come and do. Yeah, that business, listen to me, has not bought you a car yet. It has not bought you land. You've not laid the foundation. But there are four, five people that get up and go somewhere to be productive every day because you are alive. But you don't think it's prosperity. You don't think it's prosperity. Along the line, I'm going to explain something. One of the material principles for prosperity in life is to make sure that you are important. Like, you say, what do I mean? You mean the governor of a no state. No, that's not what I mean. You'll be a senator. That's not what I mean. What I mean is that when people have problems, they will remember your name. That's what, Just target that. I don't care what it is. Just make sure that you are a problem solver. i was talking with you we that one day. I said, what is this, does it mean to be... A, I mean, what does it mean to do business? I said, it means to make things happen. Did you hear what I said? What does it mean to do business? To make things happen. Make things happen. What? I don't know. Anything. Important things. What I the important things, things that are Positive. What does it mean to do business? Tomorrow there's a wedding. Oh, okay, let's assume today is um, Thursday. Today is Saturday, I'm just saying. Assume it's Thursday. There's a wedding on Saturday. Then suddenly we arrive and say, ah, I shall be never ready. Our uniform, not ready. So we need somebody to craft the uniforms in the next 48 hours. The question is, who do they think of? That's what it means to do business. You make things happen. For the same venue, we get to the reception hall to go and inspect it on Thursday night. It's for Saturday, midday. We look, ah, ah, the place is not fine. They paid for it. The owners they didn't do what they are supposed to do. Okay, what do we do? Who do we call? I hope you get my point. That's what I mean when I say making things happen. I'm going on the road. Suddenly, my car stalls. I don't know what is going on. I pick my phone. Who do I dial? That's what it means to make things happen. Do you get what I'm going to explain here? It is not your car. It's not the house you have. It's not your bank account that's business. That's not what prosperity is. It's a who, How many people remember you when they are in trouble in a particular area? That's what it means to do business. We'll get back to that later. Well, I mean, using that one to explain something. Many times, God has given that to you. Yes, you've not made a millionaire, but he's already fulfilling his word in your life. What is that word? You will be blessed, and you'll be what? A blessing. You're already a blessing, and you say you are not blessed. Nobody is a blessing who is not blessed. I don't know why you're getting my point. Once your life, your presence, is impacting somebody you're already blessed. I don't care how poor you think you are. There are times you think you are poor. Jesus said, but you are rich. But you are rich. <laughs> you know, because we stream things like that, I just I really can't fully give. But there are people where I pray for, not just prayer alone, but wish them well, advise them well concerning their business and all of that, simply because I will tell my wife, no, they can't fail. I said, because if they fail, eh? The headache it will bring to my life. They are not working for me. I'm mean, like, they are not doing their business and remitting the money to me. It's not as if they, I, I own the business. They are working there. They are doing their own business, but I use their services, and they have made my life so easy. Do you get me? That I pay for the service, resource, the services they render, pay well. The only thing is that if they are no longer available, headache will enter my life. What am I explaining? What does it mean to do business? I, that the Yinka and I were speaking says is to make things happen. Ask yourself every day, what am I making happen? And please stop going for an interview or to go and look for work. You don't even know what you want to make happen there. So people come for they go and look for work, and it's obvious they are just looking for work, any work. What can you make happen? That's the question you should be asking before you go. And anywhere, that is glow, MTN, shell, mobile, whatever it is. Ask yourself, what can I make happen there? Don't have a, a begging mentality. Don't have I'm a, 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 a begging mentality. What am I going to explain? Many times, God has already blessed us we don't know. Because we think, now listen to this, blessings are counted, first of all, materially, cash-wise, in money. No, not necessarily so. As a matter of fact, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. That is a matter of fact. Let me summarize. I want to really stop now, all right? What I'm trying to say here, I'll develop it again. Hopefully, maybe that's why I'll pick it up from next time. I want us to understand that we first have to receive God's precepts, his definitions, before we can activate his promises, Jesus cannot be making you no know, promises concerning things that He told you they are not important. I don't know whether you are getting my point. He said, "Beware of covetousness. A man's life does not consist the, in the abundance of things which he possesses." So His promises of material possession cannot be for the abundance of material acquisition. It can't be. You see, I like the reprises. Uh, okay, I modified the reprises definition for prosperity. What is prosperity? Prosperity is having everything you need in life to do the will of God for your life, and helping others to do it also. The help, helping others is the one I added. Every other thing before that, the prince was the one that taught, taught us that one. What is prosperity? Having everything you need in life to do the will of God for your life, and I said, and having abundance enough to help other people do the will of God in their own lives. That's what prosperity is. Prosperity does not mean I can buy a Ferrari. That's not what it is. That is why there was one Nigerian, I don't like to just be talking big English. I mean, the man who's buying expensive cars for his children and all of that, is he prosperous? It is how how is it affecting the lives of people? And if he's affecting the lives of people, that is prosperity. But the rest of us think that the fact that a man can buy, they don't focus on it. They don't even look and say, look, let me give you an example now. If we say African's richest man, African's richest man, who do we talk about? Dangote. But the number one reason you hear Dangote's name every day is not the fact that he's the richest man. It's the trucks that pass in front of you going left and right. It is the person that people are waiting for to reduce the drive, the the demand for Forex in Nigeria because they're saying at least he will refine locally. Do you get what I'm going to explain? That is the most important thing about his name, not the amount of money he has. But we want to focus on this man bought money, bought cars for his children, and me too, when will God do it for me? That's not what God is discussing. What God is discussing, what impact is your life making around you? As for cars you provide for your children, I can add it to you. Uh, Later on, listen, will, God, if God helps me, we will talk about it. One of the things I'm learning in life is how to ask God for things. What do I mean? Listen. If it's so important for me that I will go out and day, take my girls out and buy them Lamborghinis. I will ask God for it. An experience has showed me something. If I don't change my mind, because I can change my mind because one day I decide that these girls, you don't deserve Lamborghini, not, you deserve something, maybe private jet. Are you getting my point? I, I, I don't know. I can change my mind. okay? Or I just made up my mind, one day it's no longer important. It's possible. all right? But if I don't change my mind, I have found out that God always does those things when I ask him for them. So you don't have, well, you don't have a private jet. Yes, because I didn't ask him for it. Because if he gave it to me, where will I pack it? No, I just that day I just with my children in the house. I said, listen, there are things you don't ask God for because where am I going anyway? It's just going to be burden to my soul. And that's a matter of fact, there are things I would not. But anything I'm convinced about, I don't care how expensive it is, how it looks, difficult. I've learned to just ask God for it. It's a matter of time. So if you, do I want a private jet, the day I make up my mind that I want one, I get on my knees and tell the Lord about it, and I forget it there. It maybe three months later, maybe three years later, I don't know if it is important to me, not to him. Now, now I'm not saying it won't be important to God, but if I'm convinced of it and I talk to Him about it, it's a matter of time He'll bring it. But my focus must not be those things. One of the things I must learn is what does He call prosperity. If I learn His definitions. If I learn his definitions, it's called his precepts. We'll find it easy to activate his promises in our lives. Let me leave it there. I hope you've got to my point. Let's bow down our heads. Let's give a lot of thanks. We'll continue from this point next time. Let's just thank God for curses broken in Christ Jesus. Let's thank God for it. So, Lord, thank you because you have broken my curses in Christ. He has broken our curses in Christ Jesus. Let us thank him.